Canto 6, Book 5, The Legend of Artigal. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Brian Barnes. The Fairy Queen by Edmund Spencer. Book 5, The Legend of Artigal, Canto 6. Some men I wot will deem an Artigal great weakness, and report of him much ill, for yielding so himself a wretched thrall to the insolent command of woman's will, that all his former praise doth foully spill. But he the man that say or do so dare, be well advised that he stand steadfast still, for never yet was white so well aware, but he at first or last was trapped in woman's snare. Yet, in the straightness of that captive state, this gentle knight himself so well behaved, that notwithstanding all the subtle bait with which those Amazons his love still craved, to his own love his loyalty he saved, whose character in the adamantine mould of his true heart so firmly was engraved, that no new love's impression ever could bereave it thence such blot his honour blemish should. Yet, his own love, the noble Britomart, scarce so conceived in her jealous thought, what time sad tidings of his baleful smart in woman's bondage talus to her brought, brought an untimely hour ere it was sought. For after that the utmost date assigned for his return she waited had for naught. She gan to cast in her misdoubtful mind a thousand fears that lovesick fancies vain to find. Sometimes she feared, lest some hard mishap had him misfallen in his adventurous quest. Sometime, lest his false foe did him entrap in traitorous train, or had unwares oppressed. But most she did her troubled mind molest, and secretly afflict with jealous fear, lest some new love had him from her possessed. Yet loath she was, since she no ill did hear, to think of him so ill, yet could she not forbear. One while she blamed herself, another while she him condemned as trustless and untrue, and then her grief with error to beguile, she feigned to count the time again anew, as if before she had not counted true. For hours but days, for weeks that passed were, she told but months to make them seem more few, yet when she reckoned them still drawing near, each hour did seem a month, and every month a year. But when as yet she saw him not return, she thought to send someone to seek him out, but none she found so fit to serve that turn as her own self, to ease herself of doubt. Now she devised amongst the warlike rout of errant knights to seek her errant knight, and then again resolved to hunt him out amongst loose ladies lapped in delight, and then both knights invide, in ladies eke did spite. One day, when as she long had sought for ease in every place, and every place thought best, yet found no place that could her liking please, she to a window came that opened west, towards which coast her love his way addressed. There looking forth, she in her heart did find many vain fancies working her unrest and sent her winged thoughts, more swift than wind, to bear unto her love the message of her mind. 
There, as she looked long, at last she spied one coming towards her with hasty speed. Well weened she then, ere him she plain descried, that it was one sent from her love indeed, who, when he nigh approached, she mota read that it was Talus, Artigal his groom, whereat her heart was filled with hope and dread, nay would she stay till he in place could come, but ran to meet him forth to know his tidings some. Even in the door him meeting she begun, And where is he, thy lord, and how far hence? Declare at once, and hath he lost or won? The iron man, albe he wanted sense, And sorrow's feeling, yet with conscience, Of his ill news, did inly chill and quake, And stood still mute, as one in great suspense, As if that by his silence he would make Her rather read his meaning, than himself it spake. Till she again thus said, Talus, be bold, and tell whatever it be, good or bad, that from thy tongue thy heart's intent doth hold. To whom he thus at length, the tidings sad that I would hide will needs, I see, be rad. My lord, your love, by hard mishap doth lie, in wretched bondage woefully bestad. I me, quoth she, what wicked destiny! And is he vanquished by his tyrant enemy? Not by that tyrant, his intended foe, but by a tyranness, he then replied, that him captived hath in hapless woe. Cease thou bad news, man, badly dost thou hide thy master's shame in harlot's bondage tied. The rest myself too readily can spell. With that enrage she turned from him aside, forcing in vain the rest to her to tell, and to her chamber went like solitary cell. There she began to make her moanful plaint against her knight for being so untrue, and him to touch with falsehood's foul attaint that all his other honour overthrew. Oft did she blame herself, and often rue, for yielding to a stranger's love so light, whose life and manners strange she never knew, and evermore she did him sharply twite, for breach of faith to her, which he had firmly plight. And then she in her wrathful will did cast, how to revenge that blot of honour blent, to fight with him and goodly die her last. And then again she did herself torment, inflicting on herself his punishment. A while she walked and chaffed, a while she threw herself upon her bed and did lament, Yet did she not lament with loud aloo, as woman wont, but with deep sighs and singles few. Like as a wayward child whose sounder sleep is broken with some fearful dreams of fright, with froward will doth set himself to weep, nay can be stilled for all his nurse's might, but kicks and squalls and shrieks for fell despite, now scratching her and her loose locks misusing, now seeking darkness and now seeking light, then craving suck and then the suck refusing. Such was this lady's fit in her love's fond accusing. But when she had with such unquiet fits herself there close afflicted long in vain, yet found no easement in her troubled wits, she unto Talus forth returned again by change of place, seeking to ease her pain, and gan inquire of him with milder mood the certain cause of Artigal's detain, and what he did, and in what state he stood, 
and whether he did woo, or whether he were wooed. Ah, well away, said then the iron man, that he is not the while in state to woo, but lies in wretched thraldom, weak and wan, not by strong hand compelled thereunto, but his own doom that none can now undo. Said I not then, quoth she, erewhile aright, that this is things compact betwixt you two, me to deceive of faith unto me plight, since that he was not forced, nor overcome in fight. With that he gan at large to her dilate, the whole discourse of his captivants sad, in sort as ye have heard the same of late. All which when she with hard endurance had heard to the end, she was right sore bestad, with sudden stounds of wrath and grief atone, nay would abide till she had answer made, but straight herself did dight and armor don, and mounting to her steed bade Talus guide her on. So forth she rode upon her ready way, to seek her knight, as Talus her did guide. Sadly she rode, and never word did say, nor good nor bad, nay ever looked aside, but still right down, and in her thought did hide the fellness of her heart, right fully bent to fierce avengement of that woman's pride, which had her lord in her base prison pent, and so great honor with so foul reproach had blent. So, as she thus melancholic did ride, chawing the cut of grief and inward pain, she chanced to meet toward the eventide a knight that softly paced on the plain, as if himself to solace he were fain. Well shot in years he seemed, and rather bent to peace than needless trouble to constrain, as well by view of that his vestiment, as by his modest semblant that no evil meant. He coming near gan gently her salute, with courteous words in the most comely wise, who though desirous rather to rest mute than terms to entertain of common guise, yet rather than she kindness would despise, she would herself displease, so him requite. Then gan the other further to devise of things abroad as next to hand did light, and many things demand, to which she answered light. For little lust had she to talk of aught, or aught to hear that mote delightful be. Her mind was whole possessed of one thought that gave none other place, which when as he, by outward signs, as well he might, did see, he list no linger to use loathful speech, but her besought to take it well in gree. Sith shady damp had dimmed the heaven's reach to lodge with him that night, unless good cause impeach. The championess, now seeing night at door, was glad to yield unto his good request, and with him went without gainsaying more. Not far away, but little wide by west, his dwelling was, to which he him addressed, where soon arriving they received were, in seemly wise, as them beseemed best. For he their host them goodly well did cheer, and talked of pleasant things, the night away to wear. Thus passing the evening well till time of rest, then Bretomart unto a bower was brought, where grooms awaited her to have undressed. But she ne'er would undressed be for aught, ne doff her arms, though he her much besought. For she had vowed, she said, not to forgo those warlike weeds, 
till she revenge had wrought of a late wrong upon a mortal foe, which she would sure perform betide her weal or woe. Which, when their host perceived, right discontent in mind he grew, for fear least by that art he should his purpose miss, which close he meant, yet taking leave of her he did depart. There all that night remained Britomart, restless, recomfortless, with heart deep grieved, not suffering the least twinkling sleep to start into her eye, which the heart mote have relieved, but if the least appeared, her eyes she straight reprieved. Ye guilty eyes, said she, the which with guile my heart at first betrayed, will ye betray my life now too, for which a little while ye will not watch? False watches well away. I wot when ye did watch both night and day unto your loss, and now needs will ye sleep. Now ye have made my heart to wake alway. Now will ye sleep? Ah, wake and rather weep to think of your night's want that should ye waking keep. Thus did she watch and wear the weary night in wailful plaints that none was to appease. Now walking soft, now sitting still upright, as sundry change her seemed best to ease. Nelles did Talus suffer sleep to seize, his eyelids sad, but watched continually, lying without her door in great disease, like to a spaniel waiting carefully, lest any should betray his lady treacherously. What time the native bellman of the night, the bird that warned Peter of his fall, first rings his silver bell to each sleepy white that should their minds up to devotion call. She heard a wondrous noise below the hall. All suddenly the bed where she should lie by a false trap was let adown to fall into a lower room, and by and by the loft was raised again that no man could it spy. With sight whereof she was dismayed right sore, perceiving well the treason which was meant, yet stirred not at all for doubt of more, but kept her place with courage confident, waiting what would ensue of that event. It was not long before she heard the sound of armed men coming with close intent towards her chamber, at which dreadful stound she quickly caught her sword and shield about her bound. With that there came unto her chamber door two knights, all armed ready for to fight, and after them full many other more, a rascal rout with weapons rudely dight, whom soon as Talus spied by glimpse of night, he started up, there where on ground he lay, and in his hand his thresher ready kite. They seeing that, let drive at him straightway, and round about him priests in riotous array. But soon as he began to lay about with his rude iron flail, they gan to fly, both armed knights and eke unarmed rout, Yet Talus after them a pace did ply, wherever in the dark he could them spy, that here and there like scattered sheep they lay. Then back returning, where his dame did lie, he to her told the story of that fray, and all that treason there intended did bewray. Wherewith, though wondrous wroth and inly burning, to be avenged for so foul a deed, yet being forced to abide the day's returning, she there remained, but with right wary heed, lest any more such practice should proceed. Now mote ye know that which to Britomart unknown was, 
whence all this did proceed, and for what cause so great mischievous smart was meant to her that never evil meant in heart. The goodman of this house was Dolan Height, a man of subtle wit and wicked mind, that whilom in his youth had been a knight, and arms had borne, but little good could find, and much less honour by that warlike kind of life, for he was nothing valorous, but with sly shifts and wiles did undermine all noble knights which were adventurous, and many brought to shame by treason treacherous. He had three sons, all three like father's sons, like treacherous, like full of fraud and guile, of all that on this earthly compass ones, the eldest of the which was slain erewhile by Artegal through his own guilty wile. His name was Gizor, whose untimely fate, for to avenge full many treasons vile his father Dolan had devised of late, with these his wicked sons, and shewed his cankered hate. For sure, he weened, that this his present guest was Artegal by many tokens plain, but chiefly by that iron page he guessed, which still was wont with Artegal remain, and therefore meant him surely to have slain, but by God's grace and her good heediness, she was preserved from their traitorous train. Thus she all night wore out in watchfulness, ne suffered slothful sleep her eyelids to oppress. The morrow next, so soon as dawning hour discovered had the light to living eye, she forth issued out of her loathed bower, with full intent to avenge that villainy on that vile man and all his family, and coming down to seek them where they wand, nor sire, nor sons, nor any could she spy. Each room she sought, but them all empty found. They all were fled for fear, but whether neither coned. She saw it vain to make their languor stay, but took her steed, and thereon mounting light, gan her address unto her former way. She had not rid the mountenance of a flight, but that she saw there present in her sight those two false brethren on that perilous bridge on which Polont with Artegal did fight. Straight was the passage like a ploughed ridge that if two met, the one mote needs fall over the ledge. There they did think themselves on her to wreak, who as she nigh unto them drew the one, these vile reproaches gan unto her speak. Thou recreant false traitor, that with loan of arms has knighthood stolen, yet knight art none, no more shall now the darkness of the night defend thee from the vengeance of thy phone, but with thy blood thou shalt appease the sprite of Gizor by thee slain and murdered by thy slight. Strange were the words in Britomartis' ear, yet stayed she not for them, but forward fared till to the perilous bridge she came, and there Talus desired that he might have prepared the way to her and those two losos scared. But she thereat was wroth, that for despite the glancing sparkles through her bever glared, and from her eyes did flash out fiery light like coals that through a silver censer sparkle bright. She stayed not to advise which way to take, 
But putting spurs unto her fiery beast, Through the midst of them she way did make. The one of them, which most her wrath increased, Upon her spear she bore before her breast, Till to the bridge's further end she passed, Where falling down his challenge he released. The other overside the bridge she cast, Into the river where he drunk his deadly last. As when the flashing leaven haps to light Upon two stubborn oaks which stand so near, that way betwixt them none appears in sight. The engine fiercely flying forth doth tear the one from the earth, and through the air doth bear. The other it with force doth overthrow, upon one side and from his roots doth rear. So did the championess those two there strow, and to their sire their carcasses left to bestow. End of Canto Six. Book 5. The Legend of Artegall.